Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Chats with Brent Martineau. The punishment that was levied on the Miami Dolphins and Stephen Ross is a far cry from what it should actually be because I don't think that this punishment is going to curb behaviors in this regard in the future. This is not going to keep teams from devising plots to tank. This is just going to make them make be more tight-lipped about their plans in, in that regard. And when it comes to pursuits of coaches that actually have jobs around the National Football League, they're just going to be a little bit quieter in how they go about their business. But again, I, I, this amounts to a slap on the wrist for the Miami Dolphins. You're talking about a team that still has a first-round draft pick in 2022. I'm assuming that might be like uh, Chris Canty. What do you think, Brent? Yeah, I haven't heard from him in a while. I know. Where's he been? Where's he been? It's Casey's guy. Maybe he's on vacation. Um, By the way, I don't know if I agree with that. You guys talked about this yesterday. I thought the penalty was pretty severe from a draft pick standpoint. Yeah, first round draft pick is pretty substantial, especially if the team does poorly. But to the point. Well, they have two of them, but you can't alter your decision-making just because they happen to have two of them this year, you know? That's fair. No. I just think it's not going to hurt as much as it, it, it might have otherwise. No. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though, man. Those guys value first-round... GMs value first-round picks more than they value their own kids. <laughs> Other than the Rams. No, no. I mean, that's not a lie. Like, they do. They, they love the draft picks, and especially those first-round. I mean, I think it's I think it's a stinger for Miami, but... And there's probably a lot in there that you couldn't Proof and, and all this other stuff. They might miss they out on the next Taven Bryan. <laughs> uh, that is Stuart Weber. I'm Brent Martineau. We are uh, in Canton, Ohio, just about a few football fields from the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We're actually going to get set at 6 o'clock to go do some TV out in front of the Hall of Fame. And uh, I'll be here for another segment. And then we have an interview with uh, Jennifer Wright, who is Tony Baselli's sister. I uh, caught up with her this summer and uh, talked to her about her brother and what it means and everything. So uh, we'll have an interview coming up in just a bit. We have a lot to get to, though. Brent Martineau, Stuart Weber here, Aaron Schachter, Casey Kurtz, uh, football at five. Uh, guys, we've been going around the divisions. Uh, let's just go quickly. Casey thought we could do this in like two and a half minutes anyway. We can. So through the <laughs> NFC South. <laughs> the NFC South, we don't have to spend, uh, you don't have to put your Sam Darnold shirt on at least, Casey. Not right? anymore, I mean, man. R.I.P. Sam. What a legend. He had a chance, an uh, opportunity. Let's, let's start with them because they're fa- obviously Tampa's Tampa. But these guys are fascinating uh, because it's go time for Carolina. There's a lot on the line for Carolina. They, they were lost without quarterback. They didn't get it in the draft. Uh, they didn't look like they cared to get it in the draft. And then they do make the late play for Baker Mayfield, who people are 50-50 on. Like, this guy might be good enough to get Carolina somewhere if Christian McCaffrey and others can stay healthy. Uh, is is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, I agree. But I also think that <laughs> – I know what you're going to say. You're going to say I'm an idiot. But <laughs> – Sam Darnold was 3-0 with Christian McCaffrey. He was. And, by the way, like averaging 300 yards a game, two or three touchdowns a game, no interceptions. Yeah, so at this point I'm convinced if you have Christian McCaffrey, you just can be good. So, yes, if Baker Mayfield has Christian McCaffrey, I do believe they will be good. I also believe that if Matt Corral started with Christian McCaffrey, they'd be okay as well. So Mm, Easy there, buddy. Oh, come on. Come on. Really? Yeah, okay. I mean, it's not going to be as good as Darnold would or, or certainly Baker Mayfield. Okay, so yes, I think they will be fine with Baker Mayfield as long as they have Christian McCaffrey. If they do not, they will suck horribly. Yeah. That's pretty much it. 
Yeah, I think yeah, all the right, questions guys. for Carolina center around what's happening at quarterback. There's, right. like, no one player that swings it as much as him. Like, yeah. there are other players that are more important than him in terms of, like, a Derrick Henry, but they won without him. Carolina cannot win without McCaffrey. We've seen that. I was going to ask you guys this. Uh, who's more important to their team? Let's go around the horn real quick. Um, their team's success. McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley? Aaron? McCaffrey. McCaffrey. Well, you guys are both named Aaron. Oh, uh, that, was, that, that was quick. Only because the Giants actually have some pieces, although not named, you know, Danny Dimes. But I was just trying to save time. There are some players there, <laughs> whereas at Carolina, you're kind of lacking in playmakers over there. Okay, Stewart? Yeah, I'm probably leaning McCaffrey as well out of those two. Well, because he's such a big part of their offense. But, guys, aren't you telling in yourselves a little bit? Karen, uh, Christian McCaffrey can make you competitive, but they're still not good enough. No. Like, they're just not good. Like, are they good? They don't have enough guys on the roster. They, they may not have some dudes. They got DJ Moore. How do we know they're not good? They were 3-0 with them last year. Because the team couldn't put it together. One guy should not affect your team like this in football. It shouldn't, but it does. Like, I'm just saying. Specifically That was a super Christian soft McCaffrey. schedule, by the way. And it was first three, if I remember. <laughs> yes. Okay. It was. I, was t- I remember having the conversation. They played like nobody the first few weeks. Three including like, it was like the Giants and Jets. Easy, buddy. <laughs> no, what? I'm pretty sure that were two of the th- first three games, if I remember correctly. Did Sam Darnold? But, no, did Sam Darnold beat the Jets? Is that right? Because no, I feel they, like that would have been a bigger story. Who was the Thursday? Night, the third game was that Thursday night game. I forget who they played, but it was. I think it was Houston, actually. Uh, it might have been Houston. Might Jack's going to beat him, though. Good call. <laughs> Powerhouse. <laughs> uh, okay, so the Atlanta Falcons. Any hope for the Falcons? Uh, Marcus Mariota? Like, Golly. I mean, I really? think the real question is how long does Mariota play? Who else is going to go in there? I mean, they drafted Ritter. Is he your guy? It, it feels very transitional there. But why are we, Guys, let me ask you this. We talk about uh, Carolina needed a quarterback. We talk about Seattle. No, there's no hope in Drew Locke and Geno Smith. None. Why are we saying that about Atlanta? Like, why isn't Atlanta thrown around in these conversations more? Like, Marcus Mariota, really? That's who you're riding with? I do think you got a situation with Atlanta and Carolina where they're looking to bridge the year to get a nice draft pick for next year because it's quarterback rich. Oh, don't lose a first-round draft pick. <laughs> Atlanta does, though, have uh, the receiver of all receivers, Drake London. Well, and they have Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Who's a better receiver than Drake London? But we don't have to say nope. that out loud. <laughs> nope. You, hmm, I don't know what kind of bet we can make here. If it's yards or if it's touchdowns, whatever it is, Drake London will be better. Put it on the board. Put it oh, on gosh. the board. Put it on the board. Put it in the bet bucket, but you got to decide on something. Uh, 20 bucks, let's just make it even. 20. Brent's out here spending. That's why your credit card's out of control. We work buddy. here, bro. Well, no, That's why we do no, dollar listen, bets. I was decide, I we're was on a TV salary. We're on a radio. Yeah. yeah. Well, you guys couldn't come up with a decision, so I did. It's going to cost you guys 20 bucks on this bet. I'm not paying. But if I could, I, I'm not making this bet. <laughs> if I could bring us back to the Falcons, it's not like Mariota's going to go out there and throw 20 picks. He's going to just manage the game until they feel comfortable with Ritter or decide it's not going to happen, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the guy, by the way, Ritter could get you excited, right? I mean, maybe they'll put him in four weeks in, five weeks in, six weeks in. Outside of that, I mean, this just was like about as stale of a season as you can get for, the, uh, I think, the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, unless they're really, the London stuff has them captured. I, I don't know. I don't have a good feel about camp 
Atlanta so far. Well, Stewart. we'll see. We'll see camp with Atlanta. Obviously, the Jaguars are doing joint practice with them at the end of the preseason. I think my big thing is just don't let Mariota run for a 90-yard touchdown. Yeah, very good idea. Man, I feel yeah. bad for all the corners in Jacksonville having to go up against Drake London. Like that's just unlucky. Yeah, that's your guy. That is. Don't worry, the starters will be uh, they'll be on the sideline. At well, that we point. got in practice, yeah. Weber. They're going to be out there oh, in practice, practice, are they yeah. not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure right, you're, make sure you're rolling, all right? Yeah. I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not going to that one. Don't worry about it. Has uh, Marcel, big Falcons fan, will be at that one. I'll, I'll give it. Who, who are you picking or who do you think could win? Are, should you be more high on the Saints roster right now than you are on the Bucks roster? I think it depends on Jameis, doesn't it? Like, if he's the Jameis who goes out there and throws 35 touchdowns and, like, cuts down his 80 interceptions to a number like 15, they could be a pretty, you know, interesting team. Kamara plays well finally, uh, you know, gets rid well, of the, you know, the injury history. And If Kamara plays. Mm-hmm. So, if he plays. no, you should not be more high on the Saints roster than the Bucks roster. The Bucks have a better roster. But could the Saints be good? Yes. But in a roster standpoint, on paper, the Bucks win that 10 out of 10 times. Uh, Tampa has concerns now. Lots of them. They lose. They, they, their interior uh, is is just got crushed Decimated by free last team. year. And now an early injury. And that is a big deal when you play Tom Brady now. Can you get a push in the middle against Tom Brady? That is a massive deal his entire career. When teams have been able to do it, they've been able to really frustrate him. When teams haven't, well, he becomes the GOAT. So... Uh, that's a big part of it. Like, don't sleep on. No, it's like, oh, it's interior of the line. Okay. No, that's a big deal for a guy who can't move. I mean, and you, just you turned still 45 got, today. You still got a stud in Tristan Wirfs playing the blind side for him, but you've also got a back in Lenny who we're very familiar with who needs the help by the guards up front, too. Like, if you can't run the ball on that team and Tom's getting pressured, I mean, it could go bad in a hurry for the Tampa Stop. Bay Bucks. But I'll, I'll here, listen, I'll add up. I'll add even more to the plate of Tampa while you're like, well, we got Tom Brady. It doesn't matter. And you, you know what? You might be right. But they don't have Bruce Arians anymore on the sideline. Their defensive coordinator, that defense was pretty dang good. He's over in Jacksonville now. Like, they have some different things. There's no continuity like it was in Tampa. And then you add some of the injuries. You have no Gronk. Their tight end room, to me, is not nearly as good without Gronk. I know they've got Kyle Rudolph and... Uh, I know you like Brayton. He's a good player, but it's just less dynamic. So I, I just think the Bucks are less scary than they've been. And the Saints, while I'm not going to sit here and vouch for Winston because we got to see it, if Kamara does play and Mike, Michael Thomas can finally get on the play, I mean, field, I mean, those are three big ifs, right? Winston, can he play well? Michael Thomas, is he going to play? <laughs> Alvin Kamara, uh, what, when Commissioner Goodell gets to that, like, what's he going to decide or what's the NFL going to decide? But the defense is a mainstay now. The defense is really pretty good for the Saints and has been very effective. And, oh, by the way, one more thought here, guys. The Saints have the Bucks number. That's the only thing either of you have said in the last five minutes. It's true. <laughs> I mean, that was that was brutal, what you're trying to uh, sob story for the Bucks. Ooh, the Bucks are not going to be very see. good. Keep that energy when we get to I November. Very good. Casey, keep, keep, I'm talking about elite. What do you think the Bucks are going to end uh, the year with? Got to see the schedule. Far and away the best team in the division. Multi- Double-digit wins. Like, I don't, I I don't, see don't the think you right. can say That's that anymore. I don't think you, no, I don't think you can say that. Okay. Especially with the Saints drafting Chris Olave. It's not like, it's not like Jameis doesn't have someone to throw to on that team. All right, yeah, the hey, other listen, team. Casey, Casey, Casey who, let me just ask you this question, uh, all right? Sure. Who would, if, if uh, do you think Tom Brady would rather play with the Saints offense right now or his offense? 
Yeah, again, you got to assume. I'm assuming Michael Thomas and Kamara play, and then you got Olave. You drafted. Okay, so assuming two things that might not happen. Yeah, well, I still I, think he would stay with I mean, the Bucks. Listen, if those guys don't play, then obviously I agree. This Mike. Okay, here's what right? I'll tell you. Here's what I will tell you. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin to me are better than Chris Olave, who we have not seen play down in the NFL, and Michael Thomas. Okay, but how about the fact that you've got three brand new pieces? To the interior and middle of the offensive line, and your first four games are Cowboys, Saints, Packers, and Chiefs. Like they could get off to a pretty bad start, and it could it could train wreck for them. And Alvin Kamara on both offenses is the best player. No, well, who's better than him on the Bucks? Mike Evans. Then yeah. Kamara. I think Kamara's way more dangerous. So. I think so. Too. I mean, he's a huge X factor there. To to the point, he's definitely uh, a big factor. Who you go with, Weber, Bucks, or Saints? Uh, probably going Bucks still. Even even with even with the offensive line issues, it's it's still Tom Brady. Um, and let's let's be honest, we're sleeping on Josh Wells, former Jacksonville Jaguar, great, uh, who's going to slide into one of those spots perhaps on that offensive line, seasoned by years of protecting the great Blake Bortles. Uh, I think he'll be ready to protect uh, Tom Brady there. Uh, okay, guys, I'm going to shift focuses here from that uh, NFC South, who, which I think is could be fascinating uh, based on who plays in a lot of ifs. And, and I understand the ifs are certainly in play there. Hey, before you leave, just to be clear, you're not. Who, are the Bucks winning at the division? Like every other division, we've kind of, like when we did the AFC whatever, we were like, oh, the Bills all day. And we've kind of made these predictions. Like, we'll do official predictions, but it's the Bucks division to lose. Are you picking yeah, an upset? I got, I got to call a timeout here because Casey Brent is setting you up right now. I'm setting both see, of you up. I don't know if you see it happening, but Casey is marking down a prediction so that in, you know, eight months or so, he can come back and play this audio to you. Oh, I'm going to play it either fine. way because you guys just slandered the Bucks for no reason. <laughs> well, by the way, you, this is fine. I will say it, and you can pull this audio. I think if Michael Thomas and Kamara play, how the much? Saints will win the division. How much, though? Well, I mean, just substantial. You know, 15. I don't know if they play 17 games. I'm not going to put a number. I'm just saying if they're a part of this team and, like, not gone within week two or not coming back until okay. week 10 or something like that, like, I think they'll beat the Bucks. I think the Bucks are going to take a little bit of a step back, and I think the Saints, I have I have a decent amount of confidence in uh, in Winston, although they do have a coaching change, too, so I should have factored uh, that in. So I will, take, uh, I will take the Saints uh, if they have those guys for – like a good portion of the year. I think yeah. the Bucks win the division, but with something mediocre like nine wins. You guys are gross. I mean, you're still playing Carolina and Atlanta twice. Mm. Think nine and eight's going to win a division? In the NFC uh, South, it might. Interesting. You got two teams with less than uh, four wins in that division. By the way, Casey, I don't mind you playing like, uh, you know, the way you are right now, because if I had Tom Brady in my back pocket, I guess that would be a smart play. I'm not pl- I'm not playing anything like they they didn't lose anything. Like if you're so high on the Saints, who's their cornerbacks? Well, they got they, Todd Bowles as the head coach. I know how that works. He was the head coach <laughs> over in New York. Yeah, he, he was well. he was the coach of the Jets. The Jets suck like the Jets didn't have Tom Brady. Mike Evans is great. Chris Godwin is great. Cameron Bright is very good. Julio I, Jones I, might I be good. Russell Gage, Leonard Fournette. Yes. I understand who's on good. the box, Casey. Yeah. But Bowles took over a Jets team that had twice just gone to the AFC Championship and then made them a mediocre 5-11 and 11 two years in a row. So What's I'm the sure latest, by the way, on Godwin in terms of coming off that injury, coming off the ACL when he'd be full go? Because, listen, as a receiver, that is not easy now. Now, the latest I saw was that he's ahead of schedule, but that could just be uh, camp right. propaganda, yeah. Yeah, that might be. Um, uh, by the way, last I checked, Marshawn Lattimore's a pretty good player, and C.J. Gardner 
Johnson's a pretty good player. And get a check, I, though. Yeah, just double-checking. So the stupid. way you set it up, that I was like, Marshawn Lattimore, is he gone? No, he's not. He's got my favorite Jag of all time, Marcus May. Oh, he's really a Jet, but he made a big-time play to help the Jags. He's a Jet. Thank you. Uh, Teron Matthew is also there now. So, yeah, I mean, they're pretty darn stacked on that defense. It's a good roster. All right. Yeah. So their defense is going to be – the defense always pretty good. It's actually been pretty good. All right, uh, I move on to uh, should 41 touchdowns and 12 interceptions in your career get you a starting gig? <laughs> how, many how many years? Games? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know. What is uh, probably three years? I mean, these are decent numbers, sure. Better than most backups in the league. Uh, yeah, better than like. Should Seattle want that those numbers to play? You know, you sit. You'll say you're a defender of Mitchell Trubisky. His numbers are pretty good, Casey. Mm-hmm. Uh, better than like his uh, reputation. Mm-hmm. I mean, the numbers on Gardner Minshew are are unbelievably good. Like, that is a great touchdown-interception ratio. Mm-hmm. And now with word out of camp, I guess today I saw a tweet that he hasn't been playing that well in, in Eagles camp. He's a gamer. But uh, so what do you think it sooner is? Sooner or later, does somebody get somebody call up the Eagles for Minshew uh, if they have, like, maybe Seattle, since they're holding out and they're not going to get Jimmy Garoppolo. Or maybe they will get Jimmy Garoppolo. But does somebody desperate say, man, we got to get this guy. I mean, 41 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. That's pretty dang good now. Um, I mean, I'm calling San Francisco first. Like, if, if my options are Jimmy G or Gardner Minshew, I'm calling for Jimmy G first. But, like, yeah, if Jimmy G's off the board, then, yeah, yeah, I'm calling. Seattle's not trying to win, though. Let's keep that in mind. If Seattle was trying to win, they would have done a ton of different things than Drew freaking Locke. Yeah. So Seattle's not calling because they're not trying to win. So that's going to hinder that a little bit. But, yeah, like, I'm confused why the Panthers maybe didn't call. Or maybe they did, but. Yeah, they may not have liked the price on Jimmy G. Or now, depending on what happens with Deshaun and if it's even longer, then I would call. Because, like, I think Jacoby Brissett's a good backup, but I think Minshew's better. And that Browns that's- team is built to win. Minshew's a fascinating guy, a guy I defended a lot, like, playing. Um, he's a fascinated human, fascinating human being we'll get to in a moment. But you just, when they do stories on Minshew and they mention 41 touchdowns and 12 interceptions, it's like, holy cow, it doesn't feel like that. Well, those are Brady-esque numbers if they're in, like, a season. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. Uh, but, again, most guys that don't get opportunities or get questioned about opportunities are turnover machines. You know, look at Jameis Winston. He's got some incredible numbers. Yeah. But it's the turnovers that turn people away. Uh, problems with guys in the past from like Boyles like, yeah. to Sam Darnold to others are throwing it to the other team. Like, Mitchell does not have a problem throwing it to the other team. And that's usually pretty comforting for a coach. So is it a leadership thing? Like, what's the deal? How come this guy can't catch I a think break? it's a stylistic and fit thing, to be honest. I really do. Like, I, I just think there's something. They want a tall, strong-armed quarterback. Yeah, I think that's it. I think, you know, in this prototypical world of athlete, he is not it. He is not it, which means he has to overcome in their eyes. And the crazy thing is he has, but you are always looking for the prototypical guy, so you don't have to worry about that. And I think that goes into it. Um, it's, it's uh, listen, he, was, he had his chances here, even before he got hurt, and it wasn't unbelievable, even though the numbers didn't say five interceptions and a touchdown in a game, you know? So... Uh, there's enough tape out on there that, that, listen, the Eagles liked it. And I'm telling you, if he slips up, if, if uh, Jalen Hurts slips up at all, they won't hesitate to put Minshew in, in my opinion. 
uh, because he's been able to do it. All right, the other side, did you guys see the story where he, like, lived in, like, a the prison old, van? The old prison bus, yeah. <laughs> How Gardner of him. I mean, I'll, it, it is, it, is he, like, the most unique character we've had come into the NFL? Maybe that's the reason why he's struggling to find a day job. Maybe it's just too distracting to have the mullet and the headband and the Joe Dirt persona. Like, maybe football teams get turned off by that. But you have such other big personalities who are out there doing, you know, crazy stuff, too. Well, I don't know if you did it by accident or if you really mean it, but I think you did stumble on something. We've had these discussions a lot over the years on Minshew. When you're the quarterback of the football team, I think some of these other things, like, name me one. Name me a quarterback. That 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 has the persona of Minshew. Yeah, like Jim McMahon came close. close, I think. Jim McMahon. McMahon came closest, right? A better quarterback, but yeah. And, and Well, yeah, in the dominant team around him and all this stuff, but that is, you might have to go back to Jim McMahon yeah. to find somebody that played a, a significant amount of time in the NFL and had like a persona in that position. You're taught to be the CEOs. You're taught to be the, the guy that carries himself a certain way. Minshew's a different cat. And by the way, we give him credit. We love him for it. Like, yeah, fans love it. That's cool. But I'm just not sure organizationally, locker room-wise, again, not saying he's a bad guy. I'm just saying the, the symbolic nature of it fits. It's almost like he's an outcast in a way. Well, it's yeah. like the name it versus Unitas kind of way back when as far as that, you know, that quarterback who's within your system and your, your leader guy versus Broadway Joe coming out in, in fur coats being that personality and like you said we have gone away from that in the nfl yeah and i appreciate by the way he's he doesn't care yeah like he doesn't oh he does not but, care but this story about the prison bus and he's living outside a gym 24 7 down in south florida like for him to play it might be better if he didn't do that maybe he should just go to like the usfl and become the king of that league That'd be kind of interesting, Like one of these right? sideshow leagues or arena football or something like that where, like, they would welcome the big personalities. He would own it. He would he would make way more money, I think, over there than he would over here trying to be a, an actual professional football player. And, and by the way, I will say that, like, I'm not, like, criticizing him in this respect. I think it's kind of cool. I just wonder if it will cost him a real opportunity even down the road for some re the reason you brought up. Aaron yeah. like it's a because again those numbers are eye-popping uh now he played in Jacksonville the wins weren't there he got hurt in the year that he really could have showed it all this stuff um so it's you know there's there's more to it uh, but I do think at the end of the day despite a guy who's probably going to have a long career as a backup at the very least his numbers are going to show pretty well and yet we're going to remember him for the personality yeah yeah how loud and vibrant this man was yeah and we love that. By the way, you can't find a fan that doesn't love it. Well, because you get all these monotone, prepared statements. We talk yeah. about that all the time. These guys are, yeah. like, reading off the prompter. Here comes Minshew chugging beers, doing the stone cold, smack <laughs> them together at the, at the press table, and, you know, it's fun, finally. You do bring up, like, a fascinating point. It's like he's in the wrong line of work. Yes. Right? He, he really should be, like, a wrestler co-hosting co a show with Pat McAfee. McAfee, yes. Right? He'd be good. I bet he does that at some point. Yeah. Uh, I always thought, I, I look at this down the road, I always think I'm going to go back to Brandon, Mississippi, where his hometown is. And, and whatever Minshew's doing 20 years from now, I think looking back on his career will be a fascinating tale. And I don't even know how it's going to shake out from here on out. Who knows? 
I just think some of the backstories and some of the looks that he got and some of the internal discussions that maybe took place that people don't know about could be pretty fascinating um, along the way. He is a fascinating is a good word when you describe uh, Gardner Minshew, but don't sleep on 41 touchdowns, 12 picks, I guess, is the moral of the story as well. We'll have an interview with uh, Tony Baselli's sister coming up in just a short time. We got a break to go do some TV, CBS 47, Fox 30. I'll be live on there in the 6 o'clock hour. We have first and 10 training camp tonight, 11-15 on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Back at it from Canton tomorrow, but don't go anywhere because Aaron and Casey have you, and then Casey and Brian Middleton, Action Sports Shacks OT at 6 o'clock. Right here on ESPN 690. Football at 5 rolls along on a Wednesday. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent off to do TV. CBS 47 and Fox 30. You can catch that here in just a little bit. Don't give up on us, though, until this show is over and then until Action Sports Jacks. Overtime is over with me and Brian Middleton because... Spoiler alert for you, folks. Brent's not going on TV till like 6.50, okay? So you can still watch or listen to my entire show and then still see Brent on TV. It's, it's the magic of the way we do things around here. But that is the situation and what's going on. But as we continue football at 5, earlier this summer, Brent was in Colorado doing his thing with Kaylee playing softball. But he was also working because although he doesn't show up to work a lot, He does indeed work a lot. I know he'd appreciate me saying that. But while he was out in Colorado, he caught up with Jennifer Wright, formerly Jennifer Baselli, the sister of Tony Baselli, and talked to her about what it means to her brother going into the Hall of Fame and all that. And we are going to play that conversation for you right now. Take a listen. Yeah, we're really excited. I think, you know, my whole family's going, and everyone's been on group chat saying, like, what are you wearing to what event? And everyone's just excited to see him up there and, and have that moment. It's been a long wait back in Jacksonville. What's the wait been like for you guys as a family uh, around February when the announcement's usually made and it didn't work out maybe over these last six, seven years? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, we always, my, my husband and my kids always go out for Thanksgiving right when, like, the top 20 or 15 is always announced. And Tony's always in a little bit of a mood about it. And so, we're, you know, everyone else gets so excited, and he's always like, whatever, doesn't matter. And then, you know, as it creeps towards January, February, there's, like, every year it's been like, he's going to make it, he's going to make it, and everyone gets excited. And then, you know, of course there was that letdown when he didn't make it. And so this year, um, when we found out that he made it, it was just, you know, tears of joy, like, just so excited and proud of him, and he deserves it. What was the uh, party like out there? It's a perfect spot, L.A., right, where USC is, and and you guys didn't have to go too far. No, it's a perfect spot, and my parents have a house out there. My stepmom and my dad have a beach house out there that we go to every year and right in Orange County, and so we were all able to spend, like, a good week out there all together just celebrating and, you know, to see him back on USC campus with all of his people and just have him be celebrated by the place where, you know, besides Boulder, USC is really where it started for him, and I just think that was really special for him and Angie. You said that, uh, I mean, we think of him as a Jacksonville guy, to be honest with you. He's been there so long, right? And I think a lot of people do. And then know him about USC if you're a football fan. I think people kind of forget that he's from Boulder, Colorado sometimes. Obviously, you guys don't. Uh, What is... Is there a buzz in town uh, at the McDonald's that, that you guys obviously used to work at those places, yeah. uh, the high school? Or, do you feel that at all? Um, you know, Boulder's an interesting town, and uh, I think when I'm around the high school, because I still have kids that go to high school at Fairview, where Tony and I went to high school, 
uh, there is a buzz, and people are excited. And people who know football are especially excited for him. And, you know, I'll mention, you know, oh, yeah, we're going to the Hall of Fame. My brother made it in. And they're like, who's your brother? And I'm like, Tony Vaselli. And they're like, Tony Vaselli's your brother? That's so cool. So, yeah, there is a buzz. I mean, how could there not be? Well, there's not that big of a town. So a lot of people know the Baselli name. Um, we've been here for many, many years. And so I think the community in general is just excited for him. What a... Sam Pagano was obviously his coach. Didn't let him play quarterback. I know that's the big story. <laughs> but obviously made the right decision, right? Yeah. Um, you keep in contact. I know there's been a lot of people reaching out to you. Yeah. Uh, he's, I think, now, what, 80 years old. Is, yeah. Was he emotional about it? How excited uh, is someone like that who probably played a pretty instrumental role? Yeah, I think uh, I met with Sam a couple weeks ago, and, you know, he's a huge figure in the Boulder community. I see him still at high school football games. My daughters were on the dance team at Fairview, so we'd come to every football game, and he's always there with his daughter cheering on the Fairview Knights. And when I talked to him about Tony, he was just beaming with pride. And, you know, I think in high school, no one would have thought, like, Tony was going to be this. Um, he wasn't that big of a kid. He, you know, was just a high school kid. And I think to have one of your players, like Sam did, make it to the Hall of Fame, I mean, you got to feel pretty good about that. Absolutely. What was this place like? back some 20-something years ago on, on a Friday night. Yeah, so um, it really started for our family with our, my cousins, who my aunt and uncle had 12 kids, eight boys, four girls. All of their boys played football at Fairview. Um, and I remember Tony and I just coming to their games on Friday nights when we were little, and the stands are packed. And uh, I remember the anticipation when Tony got to play and how fun it was. I was in middle school to come with all my little middle school friends and, you know, just be a part of that high school experience. And it was a buzz. And, you know, Fairview, uh, the rival game is Boulder High, of course. And so when that game happens, this whole place erupts in purple and gold for uh, Boulder and red and black for Fairview. And talk about, like, Friday Night Light experience. You know, they say it only really happens in Texas, but even in Boulder, Colorado, you get a little flavor of it. <laughs> Are you, are you, is there too much Tony at times for you right now? Because obviously you had the week and then you're going to have another week. And I mean, you're a yeah. sister, I, you yeah. know, it can get tiring a little bit. Well, you know, I would say if you were asking me 30 years ago when we were in high school, maybe. Uh, but now, I mean, I'll celebrate him as much as I can. It's just fun to be a part of it and to uh, know that, you know, I get to watch my big brother, like, just shine bright. And that's awesome. What, what is that week going to be like for you guys, uh, August 1st? Uh, you got a lot of people. Lot uh, of people. You can't even count, right? Yeah, well, we have a big family. Uh, a lot of my cousins are going, which is really exciting, and their kids are going, and Angie has a big family, and all of her siblings are going. So I think it's going to be a buzz, and I know a lot of their friends are going. So I just anticipate the week being like one big, fun ride. Um, probably a little tiring. <laughs> Uh, but in general, I just think it's just going to be one fun celebration after the next. Have you asked him about the speech yet and, and make sure you get a mention, anything like that? No, I don't think I'll get a mention, but that's okay. Uh, no, I haven't asked him about the speech. I think, you know, if you've been around Tony, you know that he's a great speaker. Um, he gave my dad's eulogy, which he did just masterfully. And so whatever he says, I know it'll be really thoughtful and meaningful and uh for some reason, he doesn't get nervous doing that stuff. So, 
Well, you led me to ask about your dad, and, and yeah. uh, he has been emotional about that part of it, and, and I'm sure he might be that day as yeah. well. Um, what kind of emotions get running through you about just everything? I mean, certainly yeah. your dad would be so proud. My and, dad would be so proud. Um, you know, I think my dad was someone who just saw Tony as a little bit of an extension of himself, and how could you not when you have a son that uh, gets to achieve those types of accolades? And my dad, I think, uh, really wanted to be here for it and really wanted to watch that moment. He was always proud of Tony and loved watching him take every step that he did in his career, and not only in his career, but as a husband and a father. And, you know, I think emotions will be high, but I know my dad will be looking down and just so proud, and he'll definitely have a big presence that week. Do you think uh, after this is all done, it's an exclamation point, obviously, coming up in August, and then it's kind of done. Is it a weird thing to be kind of done? Because it's been an ongoing thing for a while. Yeah, it's a little bit strange. It's almost like I actually had that thought the other day. I'm like, uh, what's next? Like, because this, the Hall of Fame has always been like, you know, as I said, waiting for it from Thanksgiving until February. And now that wait is kind of over. And um, yeah, I don't know. You know, I was really sad when he stopped playing football. That was just a big part of our fall and winters when he was playing from high school to college to the NFL and I think now waiting for the Hall of Fame has been kind of filled that gap a little bit and so now I don't know you know I guess you know I like listening to him on the radio <laughs> there you go yeah. you can do that do you, will he come how often does he come back and do you think I mean he'll come back I mean they got to have a moment here when they they yeah. they see him in that gold jacket right yeah I don't know he doesn't come home that often you know his life is super full he has those five kids and you, if you know Tony you know he's a worker and as always has something going on in his life and so he doesn't get home too often I think it would be really fun if he came back during the football season and uh, just came here for maybe the Boulder Fairview game and then sort of had a celebration. He did come back uh, maybe a year and a half ago up to Fairview when he was visiting my dad when my dad was sick and he gave a speech um, to the uh, it's called FAC, it's Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and so he came and talked to the all the Christian athletes at the school, which was really cool, and it was the biggest one we've ever had, <laughs> of course. Uh, the whole football team showed up, so that was really fun. So yeah, I hope he gets to be able to come back and we have some sort of moment that we get to celebrate him here. One last one for you. Yeah. Uh, he's obviously a big guy. Yeah. I mean, you said it. He wasn't always like that big. I mean, yeah. he wanted to play quarterback and he put on a lot of weight, I know, later in his high school career going into college. Yeah. But you're like you remember him when he was little is it is it weird for you to see kind of like this mountain of a man now and and kind of the almost pedestal that he's on going into the hall when yeah. you kind of knew you know whatever your older brother as just a little guy yeah well i think you know it's funny because him and my dad have the same name and so we used to call my dad big tony and we would call my brother little tony and um to me he was always bigger than life you know he's only two years older than me but I always looked up to him as my big brother, and he always seemed, you know, kind of always bigger than me. <laughs> so that was uh, something. But I think, like, the first time he came home from college, I was like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> um, 
And then as he got into the, you know, bigger and bigger in the NFL, I remember we were on a family vacation and I put on, I tried on a pair of his pants and I could fit both my legs into one of his pant legs. And I was like, okay, things have changed. <laughs> Absolutely. But always little Tony, even when he goes to Canton, Ohio. Always little Tony. Like, even when he does come home, like, you know, for my dad's funeral, all of his cousins, my aunts and uncles, they all call him little Tony. Even though, you know, my dad was only 6'1", and my brother ended up being 6'8", and when they stood next to each other, you would definitely not think my brother was little Tony, but that's, it's stuck. Well, have a great time in Canton, Ohio. We appreciate taking uh, the time. Thank you so much. It's been an honor. That was our Brent Mardo catching up with Tony Vaselli's sister, Jennifer Wright, formerly Jennifer Vaselli. And the day is just days away for Tony Vaselli going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame reports. All week long, Brent is up in Canton. Obviously, the Jags and the Raiders going at it tomorrow in the Hall of Fame game. So still so much more to do from Canton, from Brent, and from me and Aaron as well. One more break to go. Action Sports, Jacks on ESPN 690. And then we got OT coming up at 6 o'clock. Stick with us. We'll be right back. I mean, I don't know all the details. I don't even know what, what happened. Um, but, I mean, I, I got to talk to a couple of the guys, you know, to kind of fi find out what was going on. And everyone's wondering the same thing. So, I'm not so sure. But no discussions with, you know, I guess whether it's Chris Greer, Mike McDaniel, or even Stephen Ross about your standing with the team. Like that. What do you mean my standing with the I mean, the fact that they spoke with Tom Brady on multiple occasions, which included him to make the plan for the team. Was that in 2019? 2019 and 2021. Oh, okay. I can't. I, I remember I came in 2020. So whatever happened in 2019, I don't even. I can't even speak on that. So I was here 2020, and I'm still here, and I'm blessed to be here. You know, if it has to do with support from the team. I think the team's all in with with me and all the guys that we have now. That was Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungavailoa talking about the accusations trying to bring Tom Brady to Miami. I don't know if they're accusations anymore. They got popped for it. They didn't get them, and they got popped for it. Million and a half dollars to the owner, Stephen Ross, losing a couple of draft picks, including a first this year. So, Tua, he said, you know what? I am unbothered by that. I wasn't even here in 2019, you reporter person. So, Tua seems to be confident with his team, and as nobody else believes in him here, especially not Aaron Schachter, who is, by the way, gone for the day. Uh, Brett Martineau, who is gone for the day. Um, you know... Must be nice not to have to work a full day. But anyway, not important. Um, there's, I believe in this Dolphins team. I think they're going to be better than expected. They should be with Tyreek Hill and the additions they've made. I'm not a full-fledged Tua believer, and we're going to find out if Tua is worthy of the starting position for the Miami Dolphins this year. There's no doubt about it. A bad year from Tua means he's going to be replaced, in my opinion, and we'll have to see how that plays out. But they've set him up for incredible success with obviously Tyreek Hill. They drafted Jalen Waddle. They bring Mike Gusecki back. They bring running backs in that can also catch the ball, i.e. Chase Edmonds. So they, they have a good team around him, and it's time for him to perform. And I'm going to take Aaron Schachter's money because for some reason he bet that they would finish in the basement of that division when, oh, by the way, the Jets still exist. That might be news to some of you, but the Jets do still exist, and they are still very bad. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Like I mentioned, Casey Kurtz with you. Aaron Brent out for the day. Brent up in Canton, Ohio, covering the Jags tomorrow against the Raiders in the Hall of Fame game. 
And we are just not even just over a day, I should say at this point, away from football and the return. I know it's the Hall of Fame game. I'm not usually locked into the Hall of Fame game when it's on. I'm like, eh, okay. I remember last year it was like the Steelers and somebody watched it. You know, NFL fan, football fan, excited for it to be back. Not usually locked in. Will be locked in this year, obviously. The Jags in it. Who will play? We'll find out tomorrow. More on that tomorrow. We know Jake Luton will be the starting quarterback in that game, but the idea that football is back is exciting. And you should be excited, too. We will continue on with the coverage. Obviously, the second part of that, Tony Baselli going into the Hall of Fame. We just had an interview with Tony's sister. If you missed that, you can find it on the podcast, Hour 3, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I will get that posted for you right after Action Sports Jacks Overtime. Yes, we have another show to do. What are we doing today? Great question. I wish I knew the answer. But we will talk about, obviously, the big news of the day in the NFL, which is Deshaun Watson and the NFL appealing the six games that he received in uh, suspension. The NFL obviously wants to see more done, it sounds like, so me and Brian Middleton will break that down. Also talk a little bit more about Vin Scully. We talked about it in the first hour. That hour of the podcast is already posted. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Just look for hour one. We'll talk a little bit more about Vin Scully. Obviously, the passing of a baseball legend and announcing legend that has touched a lot of people 94 years what a life for Vince Scully so we will do both of those things in OT before we get you to Jumbo Shrimp Baseball they are back at it tonight against the Memphis Redbirds picked up a win last night going for two in a row to start the series against the Redbirds so we'll do all of that before 650 when we hand you off the Jumbo Shrimp Baseball me and Brian Middleton on the other side of the break Action Sports Jacks Overtime is next stick with us we'll be right back